What I want us to think about today is I think that these two things are linked together. But I, I think that the, the living the good life, maybe we can experience the fullness of that in dying a good death. See, when Mark began reading, he said in verse 15, for this reason. What that means is that there's some stuff before this that might be kind of a big deal, all right? Anytime you see because of this, or therefore, or for this reason, we need to make sure that we go back and kind of capture all of it. It's important because as much as I may say words Jesus and grace in every single sermon, perfectly I do, I'll also use the word context. Because context is important when we read scripture. We picked up in verse 15 through 23 today. We're going to get there, but I just want to have a little fuller context before we do, because I think it's going to help in making it all make a little bit more sense. Um, Paul begins, and he's writing this letter to the churches in Ephesus, which is a port city in modern-day uh, Turkey, then called Asia Minor. So Paul's writing a circular letter to them, meaning that once it gets to one church, they're going to circulate it and share the letter amongst with other churches. So Paul starts out a letter just like you would, right? You're John. Except Paul says, I am Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, to God's holy people. Paul wrote his letter in Greek, and in Greek the word that Paul used is hagios, and hagios can be translated as holy people. It can also be translated as, you know, I want to take a guess, saints. Some of your translations today should say to the saints in Ephesus, and saints is a pretty powerful word to use for somebody, right? We often don't like to think of ourselves in those terms. Yet when we read the Bible, when we read through the New Testament, every time this word is used, it's specifically referring to the common, ordinary people in the churches. Sinners, saved by God's grace, seeking to live a new life in Christ Jesus. I think that's all of us. As much as Paul said to the saints at Ephesus, I think Paul, if writing today, would have said to the saints at Telford. Because that's who we are in Christ Jesus, right? I struggle with the idea of sinner and saint so much. And I know sometimes it feels like there's a battle going on in amongst us. And in, in who we really are. But what I can promise you and remind you is that who you are is you are redeemed in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven by Jesus' blood. You are called to live a sanctified and called to live a holy life, which means you are a saint. You have passed from sinner to saint. Is that perfect? No. But it is forgiven and it is on a road to sanctification. So Paul says to these people that they are saints. Now that's an important word for us today. We planned it this way. The lectionary did. God gave us the gift of the lectionary. Because today is All Saints Sunday. Now some of you may have came to worship today knowing that, right? It's the first Sunday of November. It's always All Saints Communion Sunday on the first Sunday of November, right? Anybody? 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 
Some of you may have came today going, I know that we do something with saints or something today, but I'm not 100% sure what it all means. Is that anybody? Okay. Anybody walk in today and you saw saints and you're thinking New Orleans? Is that? Okay, a few more. All right. So for a full history of All Saints Day, I would say go online. Go to UMC, UnitedMethodistChurch.org. Search bar, type in All Saints. And there's going to be a lot of historical information there that you can read. And I think that's important because it helps you understand why the church has set this special day apart as All Saints Sunday. Why we recognize it and why we incorporate it into the life of, of worship. Um, we say every Sunday we believe in the communion of the saints. Now on Wednesday nights here... We're going through a Bible study at 7 p.m. on the Apostles' Creed where we're breaking down literally word for word in that creed to say why is that so important that we say it every week. Well, we're going to get to the communion of the saints here soon, but the point that I want to make with it today is simply this. Physical death here in this world is not the end of life. Now that may sound overly simple, something that we know. But I want us to really focus on that idea today that we are eternal spirits, but we'll live forever. And because of Jesus, we have an opportunity to live an abundant life here and now. And because of Jesus, we have an opportunity to live in abundance forever and ever, forever with God and forever in the communion of the saints. So Paul says to these holy people, these saints in Ephesus that, well, there's a lot of good stuff in verses 3 through 14, though, too, right? Can I give you, like, the 11-second snapshot of verses 3 through 14 just before then we can get into verse 15? Because what he says here is that you have every spiritual blessing you need in Christ Jesus. You're chosen by God. You've been adopted as God's own child through Jesus. It's because of Jesus you have been redeemed by His blood. You have forgiveness of sins that in due time God will bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Jesus. That God has a plan to work out everything for your life to the purpose of His will. That the gospel message has resulted in your salvation. And that when you believed, when you were justified, when you were made right with God through repentance of sin and confession of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that when you were saved by Christ Jesus, you were marked. You were, you were marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. We talk about this in baptism. That's why when we get that water and we pour that water, we say that you are sealed. The Holy Spirit is called your deposit. It's your God's down payment in your life. It means you don't have the fullness of it yet. But if God put himself as his down payment in you, that one day you are going to cash that in for an eternal reward and a forever inheritance. But that's not all because then he says that he will do this and guarantee your eternal heavenly inheritance until the ultimate redemption of those who are God's possession. And all this is to the praise of God's glory. Amen. Now I told you all that just to tell you this. All that's the backdrop to what Paul wanted to get into in these next few verses. And it's a thanksgiving and a prayer. Paul says in verse 15, I have not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. Isn't it amazing to know that you have people who are remembering you in their prayers? Amen. Isn't it a beautiful thing to know you have people who are thanking yes. God 
that you are alive and that you are living here today? You know, as Paul goes through these things, he's, he's specifically saying a few things to this church in Ephesus. This has been my goal this week as I prayed through Ephesians 1 to be able to pray these prayers for you as well. And they're this. First, in verse 17, that you may know God better. Now, that's really the point of all of this. I know as a church, we come together and we do a lot of wonderful things. There's a lot of ways that we reach out to others. Last month, we collected dog food and cat food as part of that blessing of the animals. Uh, this month, I'm hoping in your bulletin, there's some information, yes, for our November local mission project with Families Free. Heather and I came across Families Free for the first time when we were at Adoration at, at ETSU and the amazing work that, that they're doing. There, there are, are so many things that as the church we come together for, but ultimately, we're coming together for, for our personal relationships with Jesus. See, the, the goal of this discipleship that we're on, that we've been talking about like all year long, right? Come follow me, Jesus said, you know? And how do we move from membership to discipleship or, or from just attendance to membership in, in the local church? How do we do all of these things? Well, the goal of all of that is so that we can know God better. Because God knows us completely. Right? Good, bad, and ugly. All of it. And yet He loves us. And He offers us redemption and a relationship with Him through Jesus. So Paul's prayer and my prayer for you as the church, for us, is that we know God better. Then Paul says in verse 18 that you may know the hope to which you have been called. That's a pretty big deal too. I think in this world right now, Hope is one of those things that just feels like it's fleeting at times. Hope is something, hope is how we face death. Right? I mean, faith is what we have in, in, the, in, the, in the here and the now. Faith is an assurance of what we can't see. Right? Faith gives us the hope for the future. Hope is future driven and, and the faith is the now part. And then the last thing Paul says in verse 19 is that you may know the great power for us who believe. And this is the power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated Him at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms. Paul's saying, I want you to know the power of resurrection, man. Alright? I want you to know God better. I want you to have hope in your life. I want you to know you have resurrection power in you. And it's not because of anything that we've done. Do you remember that down payment? Do you remember that deposit that was placed in us of the Holy Spirit? That's the resurrection power of God saying even in the face of death, Amen. even walking through the valley of the shadow of death, Amen. that I am with you. I've been working on a sermon series for next year called Living the Good Life. Ideas maybe that sometimes what we think it means really necessarily isn't what it's all about. We'll touch on it a little next week when we talk about possessions and maybe what we try to have a hold of, but in reality, what really perhaps has a hold of us. But I think that throughout this, living the good life, the idea of dying a good death has really been important for me. Verse 15 is that our faith is in the Lord Jesus, and our faith is demonstrated in love for all of God's people. So how could we be prepared to die a good death? 
John Wesley's last recorded words on his deathbed with friends and family around him were the best of all, God is with us. What amazing last words to speak. You know, I want some of those last words when I get to that point in my life. In fact, those words are over a doorway leaving the Duke Divinity Chapel. When you're walking out, the last thing you're seeing are words that best of all, God is with us. As we leave this place and we head out into the world, we know best of all, God is with us. No matter what we come up against, whether we are facing death, whether our struggles are relational, whether it's addiction or psychological or emotional or financial or whatever it is, that even then it is God with us. It is the power of God, the power of the resurrection. Acts chapter 7 has a great story that I would encourage you to read at some point this week. It's the story of the stoning of Stephen. Stephen was a disciple of Jesus who was being killed in the street because of what he believed. And Stephen looked up into heaven and said that he saw the heavens open and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Not seated at the right hand. Jesus is standing at the right hand of God. And then as people continue to hurl rocks at this man to kill him for his faith, he says, Father, forgive him. Does that sound familiar? I wonder if maybe the picture of living a good life and the picture of what it means to die a good death has not already been completely shown to us. What it means to live a good life, Jesus said, was to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. A life of offering healing and hope and forgiveness and mercy and compassion and reconciliation. Maybe that's what living a good life is about. And when Jesus died and gave himself as a sacrifice, he said there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Show that the great power for us who believe is the power of resurrection. And in this faith, we can have hope. And so I think through this, the saints live on. Saints live on in our in our thoughts and in our memories. The, the saints live on as they are worshiping together at a place that one day we hope to be able to get to as well. That our faith and our hope is in Christ Jesus, that this communion of saints, this great cloud of witnesses that is around us today, that when the day comes for us, that we can only imagine when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. There can be some rejoicing in the meantime though, okay? Because we are holding on to a faith and a hope. That is a sure promise for us who are redeemed by Christ Jesus, right? So we live each day with this faith and with this hope. And so, Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him who earnestly repent of their sin and who seek to live in peace with one another. In this quiet moment, let us confess our sin before God.
hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. And that proves Christ's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. 